0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for clicking in. This is our Lean Into the Messy podcast, and today we are having a conversation with Jay Jensen. Jay's got a story, and thankfully today he's gonna share pieces of his story with us. So get comfortable, get your phone set up, warm up your coffee, whatever you've gotta do. The next 30 minutes is gonna be so good. Thanks again for tuning in. We so appreciate every month uh the fact that you would sit down or drive or wash the dishes and listen to this podcast. The whole reason why we do this podcast is we just want to encourage you through uh, the lives of many different people. This podcast has helped us uh, look into uh, some of the messy of people's lives, and it's been an encouragement to a lot of people. And today we've got Jay Jensen with us here in our studio. Jay, welcome to the studio, man. So happy to have you. Jay Jensen is also a longtime Cedar Valleyan. Uh, he's also on our board. He's a teacher. He's a men's leader. He's a greeter. He's on the welcome team. He's a smiler. he's a hugger, <laughs> and he's a real champion of people. What I love most about him. Uh, and Jay, you're just kind of a part of everything here at cedar valley. give some give everybody listening just a minute or so of your Cedar Valley background. When did it start? all all things cedar valley
1: yeah you'll you'll probably hear a little bit of this in my story, but uh, I got saved late, so I'm 56, and I got saved 13 years ago, so I was 43, awesome. right? If I do my math right, in October of 2010, and I was coaching football with Dean Krause, and Dean and Janelle go to Cedar Valley and okay. have for a long time, yeah. And uh, I got invited to Cedar Valley, and in, in fact, my son, my oldest son, Sam, came to youth, and he came home, and I said, "Well, what'd you think?" And uh, he's like, this is awesome. Can I go back next week? And I told my wife, Shelley, I said, we need to go to service and just make sure not everything's a bunch of cool. Right? <laughs> and uh, I got into Alpha, and I went to Alpha again. And it's like I got saved, kind of I like came to Christ on my own. And then immediately God put people around me, got me in the Cedar Valley through the crosses. And then my discipleship started, and God started working in my life. And uh, every time somebody asked me to be involved in something, you know, I was so full of the Spirit and and eager to learn, I would just say yes, and my spiritual development would progress. Hmm. And so there was blessing in saying yes and taking a chance and a step into something, and so... um, I have a hard time saying
0: no. Yeah, and Jay's well, Jay, you got a full time job, I do. you got a wife with children, and you probably serve on what twenty teams here at Cedar Valley <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I don't it's know. crazy. I always hear how when someone belongs to the community, when someone joins Cedar Valley or whatever church, you always hear two kind of things. Number one is somebody impacted you, which in this case is the Krauses, which are yeah. unbelievable people, right? Unbelievable. I love I love Dean and Janelle very much. And then also, uh, you went to Alpha, and here at Cedar Valley, I feel like that's another thing that we continue to hear, is like, people come into this community, they they give Jesus an opportunity to do something with their life, and then they go to Alpha, and then all of a sudden, great Dang. things come from that. Off and running. Yeah. It's, it's so cool to hear that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about Jay uh, that I really love is he is from the beautiful state of Michigan. Yes. Right? So give everybody, you know, what's the first... 12 years of your life like?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. My parents grew up in Minnesota, and okay. I was born in Minneapolis, but we moved right away. My father worked in the paper industry and paper mills. Um, but we ended up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, about three miles from the Wisconsin border, maybe 100 miles straight north of Green Bay country, my very rural area. You're a country Great, boy. yeah. Yeah, small-town boy, a youper. Uh, for those of yep. that understand Michigan, I'm a uper. Yep, Upper and
0: Peninsula.
1: That's right. Uh, in a town called Norway is where I grew up, went to high school. Um, you know, hunted, fished, had hunting dogs. That's where all this comes from is mm. that's what we did. Um, played a lot of sports in high school because I could. I was at a small school, you know. If I went to the school that my kids go to, my kids go to Egan, I don't even know if I would have made the team. <laughs> but I played a lot yep. there. It was great. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, so.
0: Life in the UP.
1: Life in the a UP. A lot of snow,
0: more snow than here, less snow than here?
1: Um, more snow and colder. Really? Yeah, winter's longer. It's. I would equate it to Duluth. We're kind of right on the same parallel to Duluth relative wow. to weather.
0: Pretty cold. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you've mentioned uh, something that was very devastating in your life when you were a young boy. Yeah. What was that thing that was so devastating?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm growing up in the UP and doing my thing and have my friends and, you know, we have, it's my mom, my dad and my sister. And I said, my dad worked in the paper industry. He got transferred to a paper mill in Miami of Ohio. Um, and so, you know we were going to sell the house and move down there and all this stuff and so it was a little chaotic and then he went down there to start that job and he was gone for maybe 3 or 4 months and uh, we were still trying to get the house together to sell it and then one day he showed up unannounced and uh you know it's was kind of like what are you doing here and he's like I'm just going to have a conversation with your mother um and I went to some athletic event, came back, and and my mom was in shambles, in tears, crying at the kitchen table with my sister. And I'm like, what's going on? And she said, your dad's not coming back. Right? He met somebody down in Ohio, and he's not coming back, and we're not moving to Ohio, and we're getting divorced. And... <laughs> At 12, that really kind of throws you for a loop. And I, like, I just remember being furious. I was furious. And I think I was furious at my dad for leaving. Uh, I didn't understand it. I was too young to understand what was going on. And I was furious at my mom and my sister for crying. Mm. But not because I thought they were weak. I was furious because I couldn't do anything. About I couldn't fix that. Yeah, no way. Right? Couldn't fix it. So I was powerless, and I didn't know how to deal with that. And so it was a uh, a, a very chaotic, traumatic time that affected me to this day. Um Now, you know, God has taught me how to deal with that. There's, there's a glory at the end of the road. Sure. We'll get to that. Yeah. But during that time, from 12 until I graduate high school, go to Michigan State. Um, You know, I had to do everything on my own. I got a job, bought my own clothes, cooked food. My mom had to get a job. Um, We moved to a much um, lower income housing. Um, We survived, uh, but I was always underneath simmering, angry, and wild. Mm -hmm. And it was just me, and I wasn't gonna rely on anybody else. Now, there were some good things that came out of that. I think I told you before, I had to learn how to be a mechanic. I had to learn how to be an electrician. I had to learn how to fix all these things because we didn't have any money. I had to cut the grass, to fix the cars. I had to do this. Part of that infuriated me because I'm like, why do I have to do this? You know. But yeah. the other part of it, you know, later on, I got all these skills Yeah. that I would just we're forced to learn, so it's yeah. kind
0: of cool. It's crazy to hear you think, or to hear you speak on this, and then to think, well, every Sunday, you know, there's so many people sit in our seats mm-hmm. for a Sunday morning service, and statistics say that, um, well, a lot of people have experienced divorce, so a lot of children have experienced divorce in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to just walk into the church and and you be at the door that I walk in through and your big old smile and your greeting, uh, I would never guess that you've experienced and endured such hardship and suffering and pain in your life, especially mm-hmm. as a little boy, mm-hmm. because now as a 50, you know, as a 50 and mid 50 year old, you obviously have learned and you've grown and you've matured and you've just um, outgrown a lot of, of, of that, pain or not outgrown it, but you know, you've, it's, it's obviously a part of your life, but you're smiling again, you're smiling, you're happy, you're full of joy and you're giving back to people all the time. But, but I'd never know that by just meeting you. Right. And then you think how many people are sitting in these seats on a Sunday morning who have experienced that same type of pain Mm -hmm. as a young, as a young boy or as a young lady. Uh, you know, our church is filled with people who have experienced great brokenness in their life at some point, yeah. right? And I think that it's so encouraging to hear somebody like you come in and talk about this devastation that took place because it's encouraging. But here's the real truth is that you can be 50 years old and if you haven't healed, it, that, 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 that simmering of anger and frustration you talk about, mm-hmm. it still is so very real, right? Yeah. Talk, totally talk a little bit about the process of like getting that stuff out of you so that you could live again. I, I'm sure there's things like f- forgiveness and I, I don't really, you know, yeah. well, what are some of those things that you remember wrestling with and maybe even still wrestle with today for the yeah. sake of the listener who Absolutely. would say, man, I still got that stuff in me.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a couple things. So, you know, I went to, I left home at 18 and went to Michigan state um, for college and never came back, and paid for it all myself. Um, you know, and and so I did everything on my own, and and I had a real hard time having long lasting relationships. Um, you know, I would have girlfriends, but I would never let them get close to me, and uh, you know, I would have these relationships that would last maybe three, four months to a year. One lasted three years, but they would fail. Uh, And part of the reason they would fail, quite frankly, is um, there would be times when that bitterness and that anger would come out unexpectedly, and it would damage the relationship. And uh, then I would lose the relationship, and it was this kind of repeating cycle of people leaving me which that's what my dad did, Hmm. right? And so that was my Achilles heel or my brokenness that just, you know, this open wound and and you'd stick a finger in it and it just was terrible. Don't touch me. Don't get close to me. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I was like that. And I remember having a conversation with my mother and I'm probably 35, 36 years old. And I'm like, mom you know i'm supposed to be a dad and i I'm, I'm supposed to have a wife and i'm supposed to be a husband and all these shows and movies that i watched as a kid it all works out in this correct order mm-hmm. and my life isn't going like well, what am i doing wrong so i have this career a good job good money i own a home you know but alone uh, but alone and lonely and the clock's ticking for me like i'm not and I'm not able to have kids, right, but I want to have kids and I need a spouse and I want to have a good spouse and a good marriage and all that. And my mom says to me, don't discount that divorced lady with two kids because she's a good person and those kids need a dad. And I knew she was talking to me about her because that's who she was and I knew that she was oh, a good I, person. I got you. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but she was also saying, don't rule that out. Yeah. And quite frankly, I had. I was looking for the perfect yeah. spouse, yeah. and it wasn't working. Um, and I found, I met Shelly two weeks later. Wow. And Shelly was divorced and she had two kids, little kids. Sam was four, and Sydney was two. Wow. And the same kind of thing that happened to my mom happened to Michelle. And so it was really, it was really quite surreal for me. And it, like, I could walk into that situation and understand it much better than somebody that hadn't gone through what I went through. So there. And I wasn't following Christ at the time, but God was ordering my steps, I feel. Now, Mm -hmm. I look back at it and go, wow. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, we get married, and I have what I want. Then we have a baby together, Mallory, my youngest. And I say, she tied the whole room together, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not the interloper you know, it's Shelly and her two kids and me. Yeah. Now Mallory ties the kids together. She ties the whole family together. And everything is like, cool. Um, and I'm still mad. There's a, still a part of me that is mad about something bitter. Um, and it would come out at times that you wouldn't imagine. And do damage. And I so loved Michelle. And I so love my children. And it would happen. Maybe it happened once. And you go, okay, that was weird. And you talk a little bit about it. Try to mend that fence. But then it would happen again. Hmm. And I got to a point where I'm going to ruin this. And she's going to leave. So my greatest fear, my greatest wound is controlling me. And, and it's going to destroy what I had wanted all along. And that's what put me to my knees. And I said, I couldn't sleep one night. And I, my whole life felt like this house of cards that from the outside looked very successful. And I just felt like it was just going to crumble. Yeah. And there was nothing I could do about it. And my brokenness was going to do it. And I was going to hate myself for it. Um, And so I was powerless. And um, 3 o'clock in the morning, I went down in my living room by myself. And I'm pacing back and forth. I can't sleep. And God is pursuing me. And so I just got on my knees. And I said, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, I will give you my life. Come take it and heal me. And then I went to bed. There was no booming voice or burning bush or epiphany or lightning strike or rejection. I went to bed and I got up and I went to work the next day. And within a month, I had changed careers, but that kept me home more. I had gone to Cedar Valley with the Krauses. I had gone to Alpha, and things started to change.
0: You know, I have to imagine that my mind is just saying, okay, maybe a lot of the listeners right now aren't in that place of desperation like mm-hmm. you were in your basement. Um, the people who are in that place I don't think are listening to this podcast right now. So what I think is those of us who are listening to this podcast— you know, somebody in your family or, you know, somebody who's a close friend of yours or someone who's mm-hmm. at work, who is in that place of desperation. Yeah. And sometimes they just need to hear it from somebody else that there actually is an end to this pain. There, there really is a savior out there. Amen. Um, someone who is pursuing you, maybe you're just kind of unaware of it. And I would just, I just feel like saying, you know, you might need to send this podcast to that friend And say, you know what we were talking about the other day? Would you do me a favor and listen to this podcast? Fast forward to minute 20 or whatever. Listen to what happened to this guy named Jay, who was at a place where he was about to lose his family and was so desperate. And he called upon the name of Jesus and his life completely changed. Because without Jesus, you, you would be a complete wreck right now.
1: I wouldn't be married. I guarantee it.
0: You wouldn't be married, but you'd also I'd be, be a, wreck. a wreck. Oh, yeah.
1: No doubt. And, and interestingly enough, I don't know if I would have called upon I know I wouldn't have called upon him at that time if I was on my own, right? And I knew about Jesus, and I knew I even felt him calling me. There would be times when, you know, during my single life when I would go seek out a church, and I would go for a while, but I kind of felt like this wounded dog, right? Yeah. That was in the woods, and somebody would put out a bowl of food on their porch. Yeah. And I would creep up and take a nibble, all ahead. the while keeping my eye on them so they don't hurt me. And then I go back in the woods. Yeah. Um. I, I I'm so thankful that Jesus kept pursuing me, but I wouldn't have gone on my knees that night, was it not for love? Yeah. And it was love for my wife and my kids and wanting to be a good husband and wanting to be a good father, that desire, because I love them yeah. and I didn't feel like I was capable.
0: Yeah. And I, and I even think that there's great men and women out there who are going through such terrible times right now, yeah. deep down in their heart. They want to be a good dad. They want to be a good mom. They want to be a good husband. They are simply overwhelmed by the pain of of something that something traumatic that has taken place in their life, and they just don't know how right. they're gonna see a brighter day. And and part 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 of what we're doing today, I think, you know, there's so much healing that happens when you talk about these things. Yes, talking about the painful things of your life is such a healing process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think there, there, there are people listening to this podcast who, um, man, you can do so good, and then all of a sudden you find to see yourself slipping back into that place of pain or triggers um, that get you back to the pain of the past. Um, Jay, what are some things that you've learned to do when your mind starts slipping back into that place of pain, cause it doesn't ever go away. I mean, we'd be lying to each other if we said you, you know, you've forgotten the pain or mm-hmm. you no longer remember the pain. Like that's not true. You, you, so how right. do you, what do you do? What, what do you do when you find yourself slipping uh, into that place of pain or the triggers take place in your life?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, one of my, let's say, keystone verses is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. A lot of people love this verse. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And let the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind In Christ right that is true that is a promise that God gives us like when you get caught in you know these these wounds right he's he's consistently worked to heal that wound for me yeah but if there is a time where you know my my marriage is not perfect there's a time when Shelly and I don't get along and and I think where Satan will attack me is she's going to leave. Yeah. And it's some something stupid. Why would I think that? She's not going to leave. We've been together almost 19 years now, right? She's not leaving. Um, but it's still th- there. in my mind, it comes up. And if I, if I hold on to that lie, it changes how I respond to her. Because the wound comes out. Yeah. And then I could get angry or say something I don't mean or, or you know do some damage. But if I turn and go, God, this is a lie. And I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to depend on you. And I come to you with thanksgiving for my salvation. And I pray that you take this away from me and instead give me peace. Mm. And so what happens is, we might have a little dust up, right, where that may manifest into something that builds and builds and builds, because sure. I'm worried, right? Yeah. in the wound. Instead, let it go. Yeah. Look at God. Trust him, Take the peace. Now when I approach her, I've got joy in my heart. I've got grace to give. I ask for forgiveness when I'm wrong. I come to the center, yeah, right? Yeah, and it so doesn't big. become anything big.
0: Yeah. I can I can feel the emotion you speak of. I can see the emotion in your face and your eyes. Yeah. And I think about in the church world, one of the big misconceptions is the church is a place for people who've got it all together. And uh, or it's a it's a place for people who don't have these kinds of issues. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I think today's another reminder that you know, the church is filled with people who have been so broken yeah. and I'm not too sure there's anything more beautiful than people like you who have been so broken, who now God chooses to use to help other people. Cause you do it with compassion. I've seen you, I've seen you interact with men. And the compassion flows out of you, especially when you hear that they're having hard times or they're dealing with tough times. You're the first one to stand up and, and take action because it, it's, it, broken people who have been healed by God have such a beautiful way of helping broken people. It's like you're passionate about seeing the broken be restored by God himself because you yourself were that guy. And still are that guy.
1: Yeah, we've been there, and we've experienced God. And we know what He can do, right? And it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect tomorrow, and it doesn't mean it's going to be, ever be perfect, but we know um, that peace and that joy and that healing that He can bring, and He can take those lies and replace them with truth.
0: So to the person who sits in our sanctuary on Sundays that you don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of people, you know, but there's a lot of people you don't know. And a lot of them are listening to this podcast and they're wrestling through that whole lie scenario that you gave. Mm -hmm. And, and they definitely hear loudly in their ear because of my past, because of my brokenness, because of my wounds, because of my, because of the simmering issues that I have inside of me. I don't know that God could ever do something with somebody like me, or I'm not sure that I'll ever see a brighter day, or I'm not sure that I'll ever be able to smile. Like, good for Jay. I'm so happy for Jay. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that could ever happen to me. What would you say to that person who's listening right now?
1: Take a step in faith, one, towards God. Look towards God and and challenge him. Say, what can you do with me? Because he loves you. His word says, you're already forgiven. It's been done. Jesus died on the cross for you, right? Come, seek me. Take a step in faith and seek him and see what he can do. Take a step, right? Alpha, you talked about Alpha. So I came to this church, had never read the Bible. I knew about God, but my ideas about God were very much shaped by secular society, right? And uh, I go to Alpha and I learned a lot. In fact, I went three times in a row. So Alpha's ten weeks. I went to one 10 week session. I signed up for the next one. And then I signed up for the next one. That's good. Two years later, Neil and I were teaching Alpha. And I would get on that stage and it would blow my mind. And I would tell the people that were sitting there the first week. Two years ago I was sitting there didn't know anything about what was going on. And this is what God did with me because I stepped into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really good. I, I'm always thinking about the person who's still wrestling with the stuff that we're talking about and how yeah. paralyzing it is and the grip of that is so very, very
1: real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Find somebody you can talk to that For you sure. trust. You see me in church, come talk to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's reserve our last few minutes, um, to, to put the smiles back on our face. Cause you, yeah. you got to me a little bit. Um, <laughs> but tell us about your children. Um, tell us a little bit about your wife. What are some of the things you guys just find yourself laughing about loving? Like what, give us some insight to the Jensen home.
1: Yeah, we love our dogs. <laughs> yeah, we love our kids. So Sam is 25 now. So when I met Shelly, he was four. We were together, dated for two years, and then got married, right? So we'll be coming on 19 years this June. Um, Sam's in graduate school and uh, University of Dayton.
0: And what's he studying?
1: He wants to be a physician's assistant, um, and so PA for yep. short. Yep. Um, he's in clinical rotations right now and killing it. That's awesome. So proud of him. Yeah. Great, great young man. Um, and then my middle girl, Sydney. Uh, will graduate next week from the Aveda Institute in Minneapolis uh, with a cosmetology degree. Sweet. Uh, and so she's doing good, and she's yeah. had she's had her challenges like we all have. Yep. She went to school for a couple of years and said, no, that's not for me. Uh, but she's she's got to figure it figured out, working hard. And then Mallory is 17. Well, she'll be 17 in July. She's 16 right yeah. now. Uh, junior in high school and... Um, looking at colleges, very good soccer player, looking to play in college. So we'll see That's cool. where that leads. And yeah. so in, in our house, I mean, everybody has a nickname, right? We tease each other. We have these two big red labs that uh, are in the house and fully part of the family, fully integrated. Yeah. Um, my wife did not want those dogs and now loves them more than anybody in the house, Um and so we're busy running, you know, we go see our kids, we go see Sam, we, we uh, go to every soccer game that Mallory plays, we go look at all these colleges with her, um, we go hunt together. Uh, so you're Mallory, doing the thing, man, you're doing, doing it. it. Yeah. And then in the summer, we barbecue and we have you over. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right.
0: I'm ready for that one again. Let's do it. Now, Shelly is such a beautiful person. She it's is awesome. so hospitable. She's got a smile that lights up the sky, man. Um, Yeah, she's got a great husband, too. Very lucky.
1: And, you know, one thing that I did want to mention, God heals things, right? So when my dad left, I was very upset with him. Um, And like I said, I was 12 at the time. I didn't really understand it. Um, And we didn't have much of a relationship for a long time. And every time we did try to get together— that wound would open, yeah. and he would get the worst of me. Like, I did not treat him well because I was mad, and of I was course. wounded and hurt. Yeah, God healed that. I mean, he and I are tight. He is a Christian now. That's um, awesome, man. And uh, he's 80. Wow. And he drives an RV in the winter out to Colorado for five weeks in skis, and I went out there this year. And stayed in the RV with him for a week and we just what's his name Nels Nels yeah Danish name that's cool yeah
0: man Jay thank you so much I know it doesn't take guts it takes something different to come and to be vulnerable before an an audience uh, and to share the things that you shared yeah Um, a lot of people think that men who cry aren't real strong men but I think you proved today that those are the strongest men there are, man. I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing with all of us the the pains in your life so that we can be encouraged with the pains in our lives because that's a reality. And um, it's because of great men like you that share what God has done with the pain that you've had and encourages us to believe the same for ourselves. and really appreciate that and we really appreciate all of our listeners we know that you're always so encouraged with the people that come and share their story jay you did such a great job you're a great storyteller um and we look forward to the podcast for the month of may do us a favor send this podcast to your friends your family whoever you feel this would minister to thanks again for your engagement we sure appreciate it everybody have a great day adios